0: A radio show that confesses Christ. Without
1: confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously. Without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And, and now it says that he, this promised seed shall bruise you the serpent on the head so this and you will bruise him on the heel so uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of our lord jesus so this is the first gospel
0: what in the world
1: that lord's supper is
0: to help rediscover your innate goodness Holy smokes. That's like saying that glasses are to make sure you can't see. It's like saying your shoes are there to make sure you can't walk. It's like saying saying a boat is there so that you sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard.
1: Councilman Darren Latham. Thank you, Mayor. On balance, I think as far as whether we do it on the 6th or the 12th, it matters about as much as my collection of Table Talk Radio points. No pain, no gain, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs>
0: That's nice. I like that one. <laughs> no pain, what no what gain. are you doing it's today, Pastor It hurts so up. good. Well, I think I was uh, going to do a little radio show, and then uh, I'm writing a newsletter article on pot, smoking pot. Oh, yeah. You would be doing that in Colorado, well, wouldn't I you? I would be? have to now, yeah. It's <laughs> come up so many times. It's the craziest thing. So the the article is titled, It's Legal, But Is It Good?
1: Yeah, so, you can have some better than that. Well, all right. I'll Cheetos? take submissions from the uh, <laughs> from the from the listeners. You can uh, give me suggestions. Uh, eating Cheetos is how does how does Paul say that? Um, all things are, things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. Yeah, eating yep. Cheetos is lawful, but is it beneficial? Mm-hmm. That's what you, you're welcome. I'll send you my bill. So, I'm supposed to write that. You want me to write about Cheetos instead of pot? See, Cheetos is just kind of a euphemism for pot. Oh, it is? shows well, what I know. You could, I mean, you are apparently not qualified to. <laughs> apparently. Here's the thing I'm looking up all the scripture passages on
0: drunkenness and sober mindedness. And the interesting thing that's coming up is that. Every time the Scriptures would commend to us sober-mindedness, it's for a different reason. So in one place, it's for the sake of our prayers. for another, In another place, it's for the sake of the conscience. In another place, it's for the sake of love of the neighbor. In another place, it's for the sake of not being troubled by the demons. In other words, there's all these various reasons that the Bible puts before us that we should
1: be sober-minded. So that's really, in fact, interesting. And that is probably the difference between—because because this is what you hear, right— uh well let me let me get my argument voice going. Well you know, <laughs> marijuana does less to your body than like tobacco. You hear that kind of nonsense? Yeah. Well, well that's why you, I mean who cares? That's why
0: <laughs> smoking uh, a cigarette is not illegal.
1: I know, but I mean, like so, eating a Cheeto, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, is that when you smoke a cigarette or when you drink a beer. You don't, uh, you don't, uh, you don't fall out of this kind of sober-mindedness. The point of smoking pot is to lose sober-mindedness. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the entire point. And if yep. that's what you're using alcohol for, then it's also a sin. That's
0: right. So there's no pot. There's mo- no pot smoking in moderation. I understand. Right. Uh, you there. You are just either sober or you're high. So there's no. M- there's no
1: such thing as moderate drug use. All right, so your theological buzzword is Cheetos. <laughs> no, just kidding. I have a theological buzz phrase for you, um, sponsored yeah. by Theopedia. Uh, that is uh, the, the phrase, Great Commission. And it says, the Great Commission is the name given to Jesus' command found in the Gospel of Matthew. The command is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, cringe, everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Obey is okay, but the, the Lord really, and this word could be translated to, to keep, to observe. Um, and as we would see how that word is used throughout Scripture, we might say abide or believe um, all the things that I have, I have commanded you. But obey is in there. I mean, that's included, but it's, it's broader than that. Uh, the instructions from Jesus suggest, says Theopedia, that his followers have the duty to go, teach, and baptize. Although the command was initially given directly to Christ's 11 apostles, Christian theology has typically interpreted the commission as a directive to all Christians of every time and place. Evangelicals often contrast this great commission with the earlier limited commission of Matthew 10, in which they were to restrict their mission to their fellow Israelites, to whom Jesus referred as the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew 15, 24. Okay. Okay. this This is an interesting uh, discussion about you know to whom is the great commission given to all Christians, or uh, is it given to the uh, apostles? I think the the best way to chance is given to the church <laughs> so right. uh, so yes, we do um, uh, we do when in our, our office of Christian uh, provides an opportunity to proclaim the gospel, we certainly do so, but uh, not every Christian is given the duty to baptize. Uh, or to teach, even to teach all things. I mean, that that's a pretty heavy burden. When you go through the checkout counter and you talk to the person, you have to teach them all things. Um, that's pretty difficult. But but pastors should be able to do that. The pastor mm-hmm. pastors should be able to elaborate on all doctrines that the that Christ has given the church. Should um, be. So so this isn't to neglect that all Christians, but it but this is what Christ has given the church. This is why we have church services i'm also not baptizing people at the checkout stand i'm baptizing people in church so this is where we have the institution of holy baptism
0: got it i think that's right so that it seems like everyone who likes to use the phrase the great commission uh uses it but they they empty out the main thing baptism and teaching and and all that's left is go
1: <laughs> go
0: do what well whatever but just get going, man.
1: Get that was going. the uh, gospel reading in the three-year lectionary for Holy Trinity Sunday. It was? That's nice. We I just reviewed this book, man, I'm writing all the time, this book that Lucas Woodford wrote
0: called the Great Commission, Great Commandment, Great Confusion. And he, he takes on this idea of the Great Commission and how it's been uh, distorted in modern evangelicalism. It's pretty good. Where can we read your review
1: of that? That's going to be in Logia, I think. You pick Coming to and here are you. Yeah, All right, sure. do you have a theological buzz phrase for do me.
0: Do I ever? My buzzword for you is patripassianism. Have we done this one before? I don't think so. This is a form of modalism. Patripassianism, a form of modalism, according to the theopedia, that teaches that God the Father became incarnate, was born of the Virgin, and suffered and died on the cross. So, patri meaning Father, ah. passianism meaning suffered. So that the Father suffered. So that is a ancient heresy, potrypassionism. I wish they had more here. I'm going to look in my other dictionary for more. But that's it. That's what you no. got. Okay. I'm sure that'll come up in theology in a that's, conversation. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's usually, I mean, not even in theology. It's just when I'm talking about, you know, the weather and pottery you know, yeah, it fits right in. Passionism. That might have been a buzzword at some point before. I doubt it. Do you know? Is it on there? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not on our list. <laughs> Uh, but that doesn't right. mean anything either. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's go to the emails at questions at org, Or if you have something you want to say to us, you can call us at 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652. Here's
0: from Ruben. Uh, Ruben. Ruben, this is our, remember, our OCBTTR. That means Official Calvinist Blogger of Table Talk Radio.
1: Mm-hmm. And everybody needs a, an OCB.
0: Official Calvinist blogger. Yeah. I don't know how you can go to the doctor and get medicine if you have OCB. I, I, now,
1: think, I think that's the difference between uh, uh, Table Talk Radio and every other uh, radio show and podcast is that we have the OCB.
0: Would it, do, is he just for us? I bet the God Whispers don't, don't have an official
1: Calvinist oh, blogger. No. Are you kidding? They just got bacon.
0: Here it says, uh, Ruben writes, um, from show number 294, I paraphrase. So apparently on show 294, we were asking questions <laughs> of Calvinists. Yeah. I mean, do you remember
1: that? Yeah, I kind of do. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> apparently, we said something like this. By now, all of our Calvinist listeners have become Lutheran. <laughs> to which the OCB writes, not true. If I were to become a Lutheran, then instead of owning the title OCBTTR, I could only covet the title. And since Lutherans have twice as many commandments against coveting, <laughs> that would be doubly bad. Well
1: ridiculous.
0: done, Reuben. Uh, and we conti- to continue, we, we said, uh, we apparently asked a ca- question, how do Calvinists know they are elect? And Reuben answers, I'll answer the question with a cal- question, in typical Calvinist fashion. <laughs> how do Lutherans, who may be infallibly assured that today they are saved through their faith, know infallibly that sometime down the road they won't renounce that faith and end up in hell? I'll also answer the question with an answer. Not all Calvinists will have an infallible assurance all the time, but the way to get there is the right use of ordinary means, i.e. word, sacrament, and prayer. Look at this, and prayer has an asterisk. Oh, for heaven's sakes, (laughs) only Reuben sends us an email with a footnote. footnote. (laughs) And,
1: like, the footnote goes to the Westminster Confession. (laughs) Chapter
0: 18 of Assurance of Grace and Salvation, where we read, Such as truly believe in the Lord Jesus and love him in sincerity, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before him, may in this life be certainly assured that they are in a state of grace. We do not speak of a state of grace, by the way, we Lutherans. Uh, this, uh, the, the Westminster Confession continued, this infallible assurance does not so belong to the essence of faith, but that a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before he be a partaker of it, yet, being enabled by the Spirit to know the things which are freely given of, him, he may, of God, he may, without extraordinary revelation, in the right use of ordinary means, attain thereunto, so that there is the assurance. How, how does this work? You can have assurance of salvation. Every Christian should have that. But to have the infallible assurance of salvation belongs as a unique gift of the Holy Spirit. Interesting. Boy,
1: you got that? Yeah, we might need to talk about this uh, still on the other side of the break. Particularly, I'm fascinated with this term infallible assurance, because I think uh, Lutherans would have a particular source when they talk about something being infallible. Well, maybe to talk about what that is uh, on the other side of the break, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back.
0: Johnny Rossin, up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals
1: with cards. And if you win, you get the shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul.
0: Podcasting before it was cool. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Does your church have a worship service? then you'll love the Institute on Liturgy, Preaching, and Church Music coming up in Seward, Nebraska this summer, July 28th through 31st. Uh, There's some good keynote speakers, including Dr. Kleinig, Paul Solak, and there's about a bajillion seminars and workshops and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, President Harrison's going to be there, the guys at Issues, etc., the other Lutheran radio show are going to be there. I'm going to be there hanging out. So if you want, you should come to this thing. So lcms.org slash events slash worship institute and you can find it and register now so uh comfort comfort you my people the 2014 institute on liturgy preaching and church music
1: welcome back to table talk radio here pastor Wolfmiller is helping me interpret the ocb when it talks about um uh, that's infallible assurance. Okay, infallible assurance, and without extraordinary revelation, in the right use of ordinary means. Okay, so uh, translate, Pastor Wolf <laughs>
0: Okay, so I don't know. I'm got my Westminster Confession out. I got. I think I need context to this thing. Man, remember how you know? This is, so remember, one of the ways to tell if you're Calvin. One of the marks of Calvinism is that you have, you have seemingly unnecessary adjectives. <laughs> So so assurance is seems like a word that doesn't necessarily need an adjective, you know? But look, you got assurance, but then you're I say, "Hey, look, I'm a Calvinist." So assurance is not enough. I need to make distinctions. So I'm going to have infallible assurance. Okay. And it's going to be it's going to fall under a special gift of the Holy Spirit. I gotta do some more work on that. I want to read the rest of uh, our OCB's email here, but you—oh, oh—you wanted to talk about infallibility being bound up to the scriptures. I think.
1: Ah, you're right. So the, what is the uh, only source of uh, inf- infallibility would be in uh, the word itself, in the in the promise of God. Uh, so there we have um, uh, the scriptures that say uh, that uh, Christ died for me. That there's there's the infallible uh, promise right. that he died for me. That's right. So Okay, you should so, yeah, continue so the, here.
0: So, so that we're looking at the means, I mean, so that the assurance is an outside-of-ourselves thing. It's always, this is going to be, uh, look, uh, Ruben, you've got to tell me if I'm wrong on this. So this is going to be one of the main ways that the Lutheran teaching and Calvinism are distinct from one another, and that is that the... The, the Lutheran is always propelling people outside of themselves. So, so the certainty is in what the Lord says and, um, and not in our own keeping it or whatever.
1: Uh, here, we apparently, wait, wait. Yeah. I, I oh, really want to hear what, you're gonna, what, what your response is to this. How do Lutherans, um, who may be, I don't know what infallibly sure it is, but uh, know that um, they will not sometime down the road renounce that faith and end up in hell?
0: Uh, no, that's precisely what we why we have the warnings of the Scripture right. that tell us that that thing is a possibility. Uh-huh. So we continue to hear the Lord's Word and repent, you know, mm-hmm. let the Scripture repent us, etc. I mean, that's it.
1: So, Right, okay. So uh, uh, OCB continues.
0: Why are there warnings in the Scripture? Apparently we asked that question. Ah, uh,
1: yes, uh-huh.
0: And OCB responds, the warnings are part of God's means to accomplishing perseverance of his elect
1: saints. So, uh, you got that? Right. So the warnings aren't there because you can actually lose your salvation, but the warnings are there so that the elect will not uh, lose their salvation as if that was a possibility. <laughs> got
0: it? Yep, I got it. Now that I've dropped your daily dose of Calvinism, I'll sign off TTR. XO, 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 XO. That's two neck hugs and two holy kisses each. Make sure you share.
1: <laughs> All I'm right. not sure we're in neck hug fellowship, OCD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we didn't even tell people what we're going to do today. We're going to be playing some uh, oh, a Name That Theologian Ooh, and yeah. uh, some hashtag theology. Um, I think I think that's a good strategy for Table Talk Radio, that we don't tell people what we're doing in the course of the show. <laughs> Shh. Yeah. It's secret. This is like the, whenever the OCB writes, we'll just keep everything a secret.
0: (laughs) We'll reveal it when you need
1: to know. At the very end, we'll tell people what we've done. Okay. Um, We knew what we were going to do. I've got a a theologian for you. You ready? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and disclose. This is going to be maybe a hint for you. I'm not really sure. Um, So the first sentence of of all the quotations I have for you, um, the theologian is responding to. So there will be a statement, and then he'll either agree or disagree with the first sentence, the statement. Oh, I see how it is. Ready? Yeah. Okay, uh, number one. The Bible is God's word. This means it pleased God to reveal himself through these scriptures, which came to be what they are by God's design. God chose this method that he might speak to all peoples at all times. The Bible does not only describe the history of salvation. The Bible itself is a tool for the continued history of salvation that takes place from the ascension of Christ to a second coming. The special status of the Bible does not rest alone in the fact that it describes unique events and personalities. In the word of the Bible itself, there is something that makes it different from any other word it has to be sent into the world by god to accomplish his work and its nature is the spirit and life huh that is interesting what how did it start again what was it, how did it say the bible is god's word
0: oh okay and then it's a response to that the bible is god's word and then you have commentary on it and it says yes that means not only does it come from god but that it also has purpose or energy or something like that uh-huh. Um, that is a that's a uh, so far a uniquely Lutheran sort of way of talking that the Bible is not just descriptive, but it is, in fact, powerful. So but and and this is a modern sort of talking to uh, this language. It doesn't sound like translation. Um, but I don't know, there could be room for some error to creep in. I mean, it didn't quite nail it down it used the language of the bible as god's tool and this is a this is a a way of talking about the bible as a means of grace but i don't think it pinned it down just strong enough that i can definitively say this is a lutheran fellow or theologian so let's
1: have some more okay the center of the scriptures is jesus christ it is their purpose to bring about faith in him. If Christ receives his proper place as Redeemer, everything else in the Bible will also receive its proper place. Some things appear as preparation or foreshadowing, some things appear as ordinances that are only that are valid only in the beginning of the new order. Hebrews 9:10. But everything forms one great unity. That is why scriptures are to be interpreted with scriptures. Thereby, we must remember that the truth of justification through faith in him is the key that grants us access to the innermost meaning of the scriptures. But that does not mean that the whole content of the scriptures can be concentrated in a few main thoughts from which we can then logically deduce the answers to the questions that face us today.
0: I like this person more and more now.
1: <laughs> so,
0: so okay, the center of the Scripture is Christ. That's true. The one great unity of the Scripture, everything is to or from Christ. And then that from that it is derived that we interpret Scripture with Scripture. That is also right. But then this person, this theologian, has the wherewithal... To warn us against uh, a kind of philosophical reading of the Bible or uh, gospel reductionism. Mm. So, we don't just say that because the Bible centers in Christ, all you need is Christ, and then you can just throw the words of the scripture away. No, uh, the Lord has given us those very words, and each word is to be treasured. So, we don't take the scriptures like a theology or a, like a philosophy manual. We, 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 we let it speak in its wholeness there. That's what was going on there. I've got no idea who this is, though. Um, it, I think I think with that last one, this has to be a Lutheran. I don't. If this is someone that's not Lutheran, they should just give
1: it up and become a Lutheran. But I don't. <laughs> but I don't know. Do I have one more quotation? Yeah, I'm trying to decide which one to give you here. What mm. are my options? <laughs> you don't get to know that. <laughs> uh, okay. How about this? this? All right. This is a shorter one. Okay. The fact that there is much in God's Word that is valid only in a certain situation, and much that puts us on the short end of things, does not give us the right to change God's command. Okay. On every point, we must humbly and obediently listen to God's Word, try to understand it correctly, and ask ourselves, what does God mean here? We must stand on guard against having people isolate a number of examples from God's Word that cannot be made into church or canon law, and then have them arrive at deductions that the church is at liberty, so to arrange her life and order as contradicts the Word of God. Ah,
0: this is really interesting. So, so, that, so here's how the argument will go sometimes. They'll say, hey, look, there are certain things that are prescribed in the Scriptures that we don't follow anymore, like um, not uh, wearing two types of fabric, you know how you're not supposed to wear cotton and wool right, together, that was right. part of the Levitical code, so people say, "Ah, here's an example of how we don't follow scripture, so that means we shouldn't follow any scripture and this theologian is telling us, "No, you can't do that because then you're just making stuff up and you're developing your own your own ethic um i I think this is a this is I think this is a a, a theologian reflecting on ethics. A Lutheran theologian reflecting on ethics, and I don't only know a couple of those guys. One of them is this guy named um, Richard Eyer, who is a theologian who's Lutheran and reflects on ethics.
1: <laughs> hmm. I guess also, that, that uh, does fit perfectly now that you, you point who, who, that out. <laughs> who is
0: the other guy is uh, Oswald Byers. He also it seems like th- these are some modern Lutheran theologians that are uh, reflecting on ethics in the church. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Richard Ayers. That's who this is. Ooh, no,
1: no. Not Ugh. Not. you were looking wasn't. for the. Um, you're looking for Bo Garrett's. Oh, uh, okay. Gerritz. And this is oh man. This is 23 theses on the holy scriptures, the woman, and the office of the ministry.
0: Ah. Uh-huh. And was this in this uh, essay, women pastors?
1: Yeah. Uh, edited by the uh, Reverend Matthew Harris and then John T. Plus.
0: Who did the translation work on that? Because that was a fantastic translation. I, I thought think, for sure
1: this was written originally in English. Uh, let me do some checking on that. Um, is that to say Bo didn't write in in English? No, I guess this stuff. All this stuff was translated, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, let me see if I can find the answer to that question during this commercial break. When we get back, you're going to be giving me a th- theologian for name that theologian on Table Here's Talk Radio. We're right back. Up next. I can't
0: Plugs not included. You're on Table Talk Radio. Whoa, man!
1: Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Playing. Hey, you know what I did the, the other theology?
0: day? I changed the ringtone on my phone to uh, Superstitious. Yeah. By superstition. It, superstition by. St- who is it, Stevie Wonder? Yeah. And someone said, hey, man, now you're relevant.
1: Said, Boy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Song from the 70s. Oh my That's right. why I'm just trying to catch oh. up to the 70s. It makes me wonder That's what, what your doing. ringtone before that was. <laughs> <laughs> Some Gregorian chant. Yeah, I guess. Pick up the phone.
0: <laughs> That's what it should be. That's hilarious, right there. Uh, yeah.
1: Hold on, I'll be changing. So it uh, we have a mysterious translator. A ghost hey, re- translator.
0: Re, uh, can you record this for me so I can take it off our show and make it into a ringtone? Pick up the phone. Can you send me that audio? We,
1: we should sell that. If you want, if you want the Table Talk Radio ringtone. That sounds awful. Okay, you have a theologian for
0: me? Oh, yeah, man. Ready? Ready. Lest I take more time reciting the abusive words of individual papalists against the Holy Scripture, the sum and substance is this. They maintain that the Holy Scripture is not canon, norm, measuring instrument, or rule according to which all disputes concerning matters of faith are to be adjusted, and this chiefly for two reasons. One... Because Scripture is insufficient, for it does not contain anything, everything that is necessary for faith in Godly living. Two, because it is also in those things which it does contain, it is obscure and ambiguous, like a waxen nose or a leaden square. Therefore, they say that it is an occasion of strife rather than the voice of a judge, a teacher who cannot speak,
1: a dead letter, yes, a letter that kills, etc. Woo! Uh, Yeah, so here you are quoting probably some... Reformer, who is responding to the claims of the Roman Catholic Church and uh, how Scripture alone is not the infallible authority and uh, quotes two reasons, that the Scripture is insufficient, so that the Scriptures can't be good enough to tell us the things we need to know about God, particularly the things we know about God for our salvation. So if all you had was the Bible, you couldn't know how to get to heaven— you would need someone else there, like the Pope, to tell you how to get to heaven. <laughs> um, sure. And also because the scriptures are not clear, this is why Lutherans uh, insist upon the clarity of Scripture. That if the that if God is going to go to the trouble to give us His Word, it's uh, actually uh, readable and understandable. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll always be easy, but but it is in. Um, a, uh, he has given it to us so that we may understand it. Um, not so that we could fight about it and, and be a purpose for strife, as uh, Rome uh, says, according to this theologian. So I'm going to stick with the Reformer. I have the tendency to think this is a Lutheran theologian, uh, but I'm holding out. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's a Lutheran theologian, but I'm holding out to yeah. maybe hear some Let more quotes. Let the tension rise. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Those who are listening are playing along. They're guessing they're theologians. They're making their lists, uh-huh. and now they're going to eliminate when they hear this second quotation, which goes like this. This is great. Oh, this is great. If indeed we were angels or dwelt among angels, there would be no longer any need either of worry or of care that the purity of the revealed heavenly doctrine would either be falsified or lost. But three truly great obstacles are thrown in our way. One, we live in this world whose judgment in matters of faith is diametrically opposed to that of the Holy Spirit. Two, our reason exalts itself against the knowledge of God, for the unspiritual man, does not receive the gifts of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And three, the devil is a liar, the father of lies, and the spirit of error.
1: Okay. Uh, that didn't bring me a whole lot closer. I'm thinking that this could be uh, some Luther, could be some Melanchthon, or maybe even Walther. Um, I mean, I ooh, or it could be um, Martin Chemnitz. Um, I'm going to put him on the list. Chemnitz. Oh yeah, sorry. You're against silent letters. Chemnitz. Um, <laughs> you know this sounds someone that's closer to Reformation, which is, um, I mean, this could be Walther. I mean, you read Walther, and he he has kind of this gusto as well. Um, but I'm thinking it's someone more closer to the events of the Reformation, like a uh, Luther, or uh, just a little removed would be Chemnitz. But uh, I'm ready for a th- Chemnitz. Oh, sorry. Uh, this is Chimnitz. now. Uh, I think this is amazing that um.
0: The, this three, so we wouldn't have to worry about doctrine if we were lived with the angels, but we don't. We live in the world. We have our reason, and we have the devil, and these three things are fighting against the truth of the scripture. That's that yeah. is amazing. So learning that. theology is not like learning algebra, where you just fight against your own ignorance. I mean, when we learn the heavenly doctrine, we're fighting against the devil.
1: That's great.
0: All right, you want a third? I mean, question? are you just,
1: are you saying then that you're not fighting against the devil and you learn algebra? Because it well, seemed like de- it when the, I was in school.
0: The devil hates algebra, but not in the same way that he hates the gospel. Ah, okay. I mean, the devil hates everything good and right. So he hates algebra, and he hates history, and he, he hates poetry, and he hates farming, and he hates green. I mean, he hates <laughs> he hates everything good, but he hates the gospel with an especial hatred. Yeah, so See I mean, how I said that? An especial? Yeah, That's yeah.
1: old English. Uh-huh. It means special. Thanks. Um, but, I mean, he, he hates uh, a child learning algebra in so far as that is the uh, child's vocation to learn algebra.
0: True enough. So. Uh, yeah. But see, so, but his hatred for algebra is of a different sort. Right, right. I mean, if he can't take the gospel away, then he'll take away everything else. But if he can get to the gospel, then he'll let you have algebra and farming and cows and baseball. But if he can't get, if he can... If he can't get, uh, if he gets, you know, he, the gospel is his primary target. Let's just say that. Okay. I'm on board No, here's another one. Ready. Concerning the things that were written, we are certain that they were transmitted by the, wait a minute, this isn't what I want. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, this will be fine. I had a better quotation, but this one will be fine for you. Let me start again. Concerning the things which were written, we are certain that they were transmitted by the apostles, and that they were written that we might be certain concerning them. For there can be no faith concerning uncertain things, therefore, let us leave such things to those who forsake sure and necessary things and prefer to occupy themselves with uncertain things. Let us be content with those things which were written, that faith might be sure
1: okay this is this is getting up the the topic of certainty, which sort of kind of goes with our first segment of this program, uh talking what about called? certainty well the Calvinists yeah, yeah. Uh, but here we have uh, this theologian uh, talking about uh, whether we can be certain, namely of the forgiveness of our sins and of our salvation, or if uh, we should, uh, if we should not be certain. so. If that, is that like some sort of a stroke of arrogance to say that I know that I'm saved? Um, is it is it a a sign of of piety as uh, as um, Council of Trent said? to say that I am not certain. You know, that, that'd that be a good thing if you're a, a Tridentine Catholic, right? Yes. But to say that, ah, I don't I don't know, I hope I'm going to heaven, we'll see.
0: Yeah, I know, that you can't be certain. I mean, that certainty gets, gets you in trouble.
1: Right. So what, what um, the theologian here is saying is that if we have faith, we have faith in something, and what we have faith in is in the promises of God. So it's a... It's a contradiction to say that we're having faith in uncertainty because faith is the assurance of things not seen. So so to say that I have faith in the promises of God is to be certain. That's that's what I mean. Look, uh Abraham uh he Uh, He doubted God's promise and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. (laughs) He believed. He believed in the promise of God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Jerusalem Bible, I think. Or, or, I mean, look at all of the the saints mentioned in in Hebrews 11, for by faith. For by faith. You know, they weren't uh, out of... Out of a questioning, a, a Pietistic questioning whether God is really telling the truth. That's right. uh, no, it's by faith. And so Jesus. what what faith does is look to the promise of God and clings to them. Knows knows that God is telling the truth, and he he makes good on his promises. And that's what we saw with Abraham. Speaking of which, because yeah. Abraham here he's he's bringing his his only uh, only begotten son of of of, uh, of Sarah. Uh, to the altar to sacrifice him but he knows that even if this son is 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 sacrificed if god has to raise him from the dead to make good on his promise that's what he's going to do <laughs> so so here i mean he has faith in that god is going to fulfill his promises I know it. now that's it,
0: crazy I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, we think that this assurance is prideful. I mean, I think that's where the Catholic Church and all the evangelical churches, too, where they want to say, oh, if you're so sure, then you, you're you proud. But no, it's not, I'm saved because my faith is so strong. It's I, I'm saved because my Jesus is so strong. It's, a, it's, in fact, the assurance of faith is humility, because it's not trusting yourself,
1: it's trusting the Lord, in spite of your own sinfulness. Ugh. So to to nail down, then, a theologian, I think it's interesting you brought up that last one, because I think this whole concept of of uncertainty being a good thing is something that flows out of the Council of Trent. And of the theologians that I mentioned, uh, Luther, Walther, Melanchthon, and uh, Martin Chimnitz, as some people like to say, um, the one that is particularly interested in examining this uh, Council of Trent is... Uh-oh. Uh, the second Martin, Martin Chemnitz. So I'm going to come down on the theologian of Martin Chemnitz. You are right. Hey, how many points do I get? 500 points. All right. So the score, ladies and gentlemen, is 500 uh, to zero. Pastor Wolfmiller has the zero. That's right. when we get back from this upcoming... work. upcoming deduction. Thank you. you. Fine, fine work. When we get back from this break, we're going to be playing some hashtag theology. That's where we come up with... uh, various hashtags, uh and, and Pastor there searches Twitter, the the uh worldwide uh world of Twitter and to find out what people are saying about these particular buzzwords and we analyze them theologically for you, our listener. You can give us a call one eight hundred three eight five Sola one eight hundred. Three eight five seven six five two, or send us an email. Questions at TableTalkRadio.org. We'll be right back on TableTalk Radio. On Where
0: do I go when I don't have a friend? Where do I go at another's days end? Nobody loves me, somebody loves me on Twitter. I
1: think I'm a big, big loser. Then I go to my computer, turn it on, and I feel grand, all because of Twitter.
0: Table Talk Radio. We love our on-demand listener. You're no one if you're not on Twitter. And if you aren't there already, you've missed it.
1: If you haven't been bookmarked, retweeted, and blogged, You might as well not have
0: existed. That's true. You might as well not
1: have existed. That's true. I agree with the guy making songs on YouTube. (laughs) I think uh, you're on Twitter now, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) You, uh, Hashtag preach it, guitar guy. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag YouTube truth. (laughs) All right. In hashtag theology, uh, we ha- we send Pastor Wolfman a our little uh, treasure hunt uh, on <laughs> Twitter, uh, having him look for hashtags, in particular theological terms, or not so You can look so for this now that you're on Twitter. <laughs> I I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> I, I found you. it. Evan Gagline, fake <laughs> Evan Gaglin here. You this, you're the fake you on Twitter is funnier than the real you. I I don't doubt that. But the Where fake The fake me has the password to that account, and the real <laughs> me doesn't. Evan so, Gengbein,
0: at TTR Archbishop. Your your fake account only has something is wrong with my Twitter here. It's not working exactly right.
1: I would probably eat that up while you still can. By the way, I'm just just saying. <laughs> all right, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. I got a I got a a hashtag for you to search. All right, you ready? I'm ready. This is hashtag Christ alone.
0: Christ alone. This will be Now, what do you expect here? My tw- Twitter is taking a little long, so you got to. Give some I expectations.
1: Well, I I kind of think that um, we might have a reference to that that praise song that we uh, we crunched here called Christ Alone. Yeah. Um, or yeah, I that think...
0: one. does I found it. It came here till He returns or calls me home. Jesus commands my destiny. hashtag Christ Alone. That's from the that praise song, is it?
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I was also kind of maybe looking for a little contradiction in here. that Maybe someone would say, I gave my heart to Jesus, hashtag Christ alone, or something like that.
0: Well, how about this one? This is from, uh, oh, it says this. Open my heart, Lord. Let me love like you. Hashtag God girl. Hashtag purpose driven. Hashtag Christ alone. Mm. There is that you know. the kind of uh, contradiction you're looking for? Yeah, read read it again. Open my heart, Lord, let me love like you. Yeah, yeah.
1: So if you're <laughs> 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 So if it's all up to you to to love like God does, then it's not really up to God. I mean <laughs> it's so <laughs> So the scriptures present the love of God is doing everything for our salvation. Then we say uh, help me to love like you. Well, uh but then I wouldn't be God wouldn't be doing everything. So. Yeah, a little bit of a contradiction there.
0: A little bit. Um, here's a uh, here's a couple more. Have, wait, wait. Uh,
1: have we have we done our sense of humor disclaimer in a while? No, okay. I don't think we've done it ever. <laughs> yeah. so, when we do so things that like would this, count as in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. When, when we do things like this, we are uh, we're you know we're not meaning to insult the 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 people we're critiquing, but we are trying to be funny. Uh, whether we're successful or not, I guess is up to you. Um, but uh, to point out some theological. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't
0: think that our humor is objectively funny? <laughs> well, I, I, it's more
1: like. I think is... that is a, a special class in the Wolfmuller School of Hilarity. Is that on your jokes, inside jokes list, the Wolfmuller School of Hilarity? Oh, no. Where every joke is explained? Yeah. Okay. That, that uh, where do I keep
0: there. that list? All right, let me see here. All right, keep
1: anyway, we're not insulting, we're just being funny, trying to be at least. All right. Uh you have, you have a hashtag you're going to search?
0: Uh, oh, yeah. All right, hold on. Um, let me get here. This is, I'm, I'm really A lot testing, of things going on at once here. I'm really testing
1: your ability to multitask.
0: Um, okay, this is hashtag faith. You think that'll be a funny one? Um, don't look what you're going through. You're not pain. You're not failure. These are stages in your life that will come to pass.
1: Hashtag faith. I don't even know what that means. I mean, because I am failure. Um, I mean, okay, so God says, love your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I, I'm a miserable, I mean, I, I don't just like fall short of that. I am a miserable failure at that. I am. And you know what? I can have assurance of salvation despite how miserable of a failure I am at that because of what Christ has done for me. Based upon mm-hmm. trusting and, and i mean knowing the, what his promises are about me in in what he 's done for me right I suppose but i I think you need more hashtag faith <laughs> okay how about this one hashtag it 's about love <laughs> it 's about love
0: what do you think's going to come on that one um, it's about well,
1: we might about find life. something that despises doctrine. Um, you know, look, you have your beliefs, but I have my my actions, my deeds, my love. Um, so that our, my actions and deeds are more important than just belief. Uh, kind of opposite of what the Bible says.
0: I don't know. This is an interesting. There's a couple here, a couple in a foreign language. Uh, here's one, though. It says, I told my friends if they live longer than me, make sure faith he'll breathe Make sure Faith Hill Breathe plays at
1: my funeral. It's about love. (laughs) I think that's the song that they play on that radio station, PirateChristianRadio.com, you know? Breathe? Faith Hill? I think so. Am I confused? Anyway, so it has this breathe, and and then this, like, uh, cannon goes off. Get that girly praise (laughs) praise band out of here.
0: Here's another one. If you think marriage is about the wedding and engagement is about the ring, you need to reevaluate your life. Oh, it's probably about love. It's about love. Of course
1: it is. That's right.
0: What do you think about that? I think we got to do some work
1: on marriage. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, Marriage, by the way, um, is not based upon love. I know that sounds like, wait a minute. But, Wait a minute! Uh, hold on. What are you? What could you possibly be saying? But Evan? if we assert that uh, marriage is based upon love, what happens when that love is no longer there? Well, it can just marriage can then just be dissolved. Uh, or if marriage is just about love, then it doesn't matter if it's between a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or if it's between a man and four women, um, or you know, vice versa. Yeah. So love though probably an aspect of marriage is not what it's actually based upon. Um yeah. whenever Jesus is talking about marriage, uh he goes back to Genesis. And he says what God has joined together let man not separate that the two shall become one flesh. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I think what we would see in um in uh uh Marriage being all about is uh, the action that God has done, not the action that we are doing. So that uh, if I'm having struggles in my marriage, it's not that, well, he's not loving me me, or she's not loving me. It's, well, God has put us together, so we better work it out.
0: That's right. It's objective and it's certain. It's something outside of us. I got one more. Hashtag it's about love. Trying to base my future decisions based upon how I can better serve God. Hashtag it's about love. Can you give that to me one more time? I'm sorry. Trying to base my future decisions based on how I can better serve God. hashtag It's about love. Yeah,
1: um, you know it's it's. We, see, this is this is kind of why we come across kind of mean sometimes. Not only are we Fort Wayne grads, but uh, we think, hey, people just want to serve their God better. And here you guys are being Mister Meanie Pants. Yeah. Excuse me, Reverend Meanie Pants. Reverend. <laughs> typical Fort Wayne guy. I know, right? Reverend, but, but, but hate the but lost. See, here's the thing: um, when we emphasize, when we make our heart and center of our theology and the heart and center of our life about us doing for God, it puts us on par with every other false religion in the world. Rather, we should make the center of our theology and the center of our being and the center of our of our lives what God has done for us, and then we have Christianity as it's presented to us in scriptures. Now, as far as planning our lives, we can see that God has placed us—see, it's objective again— God has placed us in a vocation to serve our neighbor, so that God doesn't need our good works, our neighbor does. And then Jesus says, when you've done it for the least of these, you've done it unto me. Hmm. I like it. All right. I found one more. It's about love. This
0: is, uh, this is a good one. It says this. I'm a Christian, and I'm very sad at what the sound of the word brings to people's mind these days. It's about love and the one who gave love.
1: All right. You need to dissect that one. I don't, I don't know.
0: So it says, I'm a Christian, but I think the word that they are saying is bad, that brings to people's mind, is the word Christian. But... Um, they said it, the Christian brings, I don't know, into people's minds a a troop of judgmental reverend, what are we? Reverend, reverend Meanie, Meanie Pants. Pants. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it it is about love, and especially, it says here, the one who gave love. In other words, it is about Christ who gave
1: everything for us. Hmm. So
0: I think that's what's going on there.
1: We should make that as a T-shirt, uh, Reverend Meanie Pants, and at the top <laughs> would be a little white tab. <laughs> I, w- I would do one that says, I'm with Reverend Meanie Pan. <laughs> arrow over to you.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, I have more here. Um, yeah, I'm ready, man. Hashtag God speaks. God speaks. What do you think is going to happen here? Um, Probably that God's speaking to my heart apart from the word, something like that. Here's one, first one that comes up. God
0: to me, quote, be holy because I am holy. Hashtag God speaks. Hey, that's in the
1: Bible. There you go. That's good. That's good. Um. uh, (laughs) Now, I'm not very good Mm -hmm. at being holy as God is holy. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Unless, but see, there's a gospel to understand that. Yeah, there is. Uh, That I am holy as God is holy because of His declaration uh, to me, His promise. So that's that could be good. Yeah, another one there. Um. Yeah, there's a bunch here.
0: It's no coincidence that I'm reading David and Goliath today. Hashtag God speaks.
1: Oh, yeah. This is the kind of idea, and we're short on time, but this is the kind of idea where uh, uh, you read the Scriptures through your current situation in life. So I'm facing a bad uh, situation, and now the story of David and Goliath is kind of the thing that empowers me through, rather than the promises of Christ that are found in the Scriptures getting us through the day. So. Yeah. Well, that that was nice another uh, ep- uh, segment of hashtag theology. Let us know what you think. One eight hundred three eight five SOLA. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio.
0: Hashtag table talk radio's over. Hashtag go do. The Thanks great for listening commission. to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Do you get that? Table Talk Radio yeah, what was it? It's not for H- Go do the Great Commission. Oh, before yeah. listening to Table
1: Talk Radio, <laughs> oh, that was your buzzword. That's yeah, your it's your my buzzword.
0: buzzword. Uh, uh, hallucinations and aversion to incomplete sentences with a quantity uh, of psychosis. We need like to get it in before the voices voices voices. voice. He doesn't, doesn't to like when we, we talk being over. Hashtag Go do the Great Commission. It to on Should just be hashtag go. More information: visit tabletalkradio.com. 我 <laughs>